language and culture lovers. This is Jules, and I'm back with another episode of All Things Iceland. Today, I will be sharing some facts and thoughts about South Iceland. Besides the Reykjavik area, it is by far the most popular part of the country that is featured on social media, blogs, and even in one of Justin Bieber's music videos, if you happen to listen to him. People from around the world are flocking in droves to South Iceland. According to the Icelandic Tourism Board's statistics for 2017, during the winter, 55% of travelers to the country travel to South Iceland. And in the summer, a whopping 71% of travelers went to that region. It is without a doubt a very popular place. But it might make one wonder, is it really worth the hype? Before giving my opinion on that, let's start off with what you can see and do in this region, just to give you an idea as to why people might be so interested in going there. Because the South Coast does have a variety of attractions and stunning nature, I've split everything up into three categories. I will start off with talking about historical sites and the most popular places, so those together. Following that will be the type of wildlife and nature you can find in this region. Lastly, I will go over the fun activities that are available for you to do if you happen to visit the South Coast. Let's jump into the first category. Historical sites and the most popular places to visit. Thingvitlir National Park is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and is popular for many reasons. The first and most important reason is due to its historical significance in Icelandic society. The General Assembly for Parliament, or Althing in Icelandic, was established here around 930 and continued to meet there until 1798. The Parliament members would discuss and decide on laws as well as pass judgments on any matters brought before them. The Logberg, or Law Rock, is where public speaking events took place. The unique geology in the area created a natural amphitheater for such speaking events, which is pretty cool. Along with learning about history and being able to see where Icelandic people's ancestors used to meet, you can witness the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. This ridge is where the North American and Eurasian tectonic plates are slowly separating at a rate of 2 centimeters per year. The separation has created a rift valley, which means that you can walk between two continents. I've been there a few times, and I always get excited about the fact that I can walk between two continents. Some other historic and popular places around the South Coast are churches. Even though less than 10% of the Icelandic population go to church every month, there are many churches in the country. Along the South Coast, there are 19 churches that can be found. Many of these churches have a similar style that makes them easy to spot. Just look for a steeple with a cross on top that is attached to a large room or building that is used for the congregation to meet in. On a map, you will always know how to find a church because the word kirkja will be at the end. Kirkja means church. 
Some of the churches that get a decent amount of visitors are the ones in Selfos, Thingvetler, Strandar, and Hup. The church in Hup is especially interesting because it has a turf roof and was built in 1884. You can check out the link that I have to the full list of churches along the South Coast in the show notes. Museums and cultural centers are also places that many travelers end up going to in order to learn about the culture of the country that they're visiting. Iceland is certainly no different. And in the South Coast, there are 15 museum and cultural centers in total. And Icelandic people are very proud of their culture and the nature that surrounds them. So they, of course, have many different types of exhibits and cultural centers in order to show off their rich history. My favorite is the Lava Center, which is a very cool interactive museum about Icelandic volcanoes. It's for all ages. I've been there twice, once on my own and another time with younger kids so they can have some fun, my niece and nephew. You can find museums and cultural centers that feature exhibitions on the Icelandic sagas, art, and even Bobby Fischer. Feel free to check out the link in the show notes. The Golden Circle, which is made up of Gullfoss Waterfall, Geysir Haspring, and Thingvetlir National Park, which I had mentioned earlier, is probably the most popular route that tourists take when they come here. It shows off some of the most amazing nature that's relatively easy to access from the Reykjavik area. So it wouldn't be such a surprise if you were to visit Iceland and you went to the Golden Circle and there are a ton of tourists there. However, the sites are really beautiful there, so I understand why people go, but you have been warned. Moving farther down along the south coast is Vík, which is a tiny town of less than 300 people, and it's the southernmost village in Iceland. It attracts 41.5% of visitors in the winter and about 56% of travelers in the summer. I have a really fascinating fact, interesting fact, later on in this episode, so make sure you keep listening because Vík is in a precarious position when it comes to a volcano that is nearby. Not too far from Vík is Solheimajökull Glacier. It's the closest glacier to Reykjavik, and you can go on it to do different glacier activities. You need a guide, of course, but... It's only a two and a half hour drive from Reykjavik. So if you are interested in going on a glacier walk, ice climbing, or any of those types of activities, you can take a day trip to Sohemiyokut and do that. Super popular thing to do. Glacier walks might be the most popular glacier activity that there is. So your best bet would be to book with a company that specializes in small group experiences if you don't want to feel like you're just being herded along on the glacier. For those who are planning on renting a car or somehow getting themselves much farther south, Fatnajökull National Park is definitely worth a visit. It is about four to five hours away from Reykjavik, and Vatnajökull is the largest glacier ice cap in Europe. The national park, with the namesake of Vatnajökull, encompasses Svinefetsjökull Inlet Glacier, and Skaptafetl area. Skaptafetl used to be a national park, but it was absorbed into the Vatnajökull National Park. 
It's surprising how many people do end up renting a car in Iceland, considering how expensive it is to rent a car and the price of gas. But many people end up going to Vatnajökull National Park, and they don't regret it because you can see Svartefoss Waterfall, which translates into Black Waterfall. It is absolutely gorgeous, as well as you can go on hikes in Skaptefell. You can go on the Svinefetjokot Glacier. Like, there are many different activities in that area. There's a glacier lagoon not too far away. So I definitely understand why people end up going to this area. However, the summertime is really crowded. If you have the opportunity to go into the highlands, you will be able to avoid a lot of people. One place that many people who are nature lovers, or at least avid hikers or trekkers are aware of, is Landmannalaugar. This area is the third largest geothermal area in the world. You can hike between bubbling hot springs and even take a hot spring bath, which is really cool. And of course, you can take hot spring baths in many hot springs in Iceland because there are plenty of them. However, in this particular area, it's really special because of the significance of it being such a large geothermal area. And it's the starting point for a lot of people who are going hiking to start their journey if they plan to do the famous Lorgavegur trek. Another place in the highlands that's really special to me because I just fell in love the first time that I went is Thorsmork, which literally translates into Thor's Valley. And yes, I'm talking about Thor, the thunder god. And it's just a lush green area that is absolutely mesmerizing. Whenever I think about it, I just get the best thoughts and have a flashback of amazing memories. It's definitely worth it. But if you want to go to places like Landmannalaugar or Thorsmork, you have to have the right kind of vehicle, a modified vehicle (laughs) or some kind of guide that can operate that car to get you there. So just FYI for you to know that it's not always easily accessible if you want to get to certain places. Last on my list is a place that's very close to Reykjavik, and it is called Reykjadalur, and it is located in the town Kverdagerde in South Iceland. Reykjadalur literally translates into smoky valley, and that is the best definition for it. So if you're not able to get to Landmannalaugar, Reykjadalur is the next best thing, in my opinion, because you can hike around bubbling hot springs and you can take at the end of your hike a lovely hot spring bath. It isn't as deep in most places as you'll find in Landmannalaugar, but it is quite relaxing. I just recommend bringing a pair of water shoes or some kind of shoes you can use while stepping into the water because there are a lot of rocks and it just makes it easier on your feet. Now I'm going to move on to the next category, which is nature and wildlife. There are a countless amount of waterfalls in Iceland. I love waterfalls, so I'm always the person who is in the car is like, stop, wait a minute, we have to take a picture, there's a waterfall. But the main ones that you'll see in the south coast are Seilandsfoss, Skogafoss, and Svartifoss. So I spoke about Svartifoss uh, when I mentioned Skaptefell, but you don't have to go as far as Skaptefell in order to see a, a gorgeous waterfall. 
Ceylon's Falls and Skoga Falls are very close in comparison and are on your way to Sohemiyoko Glacier. So if you're not even going to end up going to the glacier, you can just stop at these waterfalls and enjoy just those natural wonders. Glaciers are abundant in Iceland, of course. No surprise there. And there are 10 glaciers that can be found in the south. You already heard me mention three glaciers earlier. Sohemiyokutl, Sjönefetjokutl, and Vatnajokutl. And if you haven't figured out by now, Jokutl is a trend in these words because Jokutl means glacier. So just like I mentioned with Kirkja means church, Jokutl, if you see that on a map or written somewhere, just know that in Icelandic it means glacier. So it's letting you know that you're going to be reading about a glacier. It's funny that Icelandic people have to say something like Vatna Jokut Glacier, because for them, Jokut already means glacier, so they would be saying it twice, essentially. But such is life when people aren't aware that a specific word has a meaning of what the place is or describing what the actual thing you're looking at is. But one of the other glaciers that you probably have heard of is Eyjafjallajökull, and it's infamous for its eruption in 2010 where it wreaked havoc on travel all around the world because airlines that needed to transport people across the Atlantic usually either stop in Iceland or flying close enough to Iceland. And the wind pushed the ash from the eruption into the flight plans for many different flights. So millions of people were affected by this volcano eruption which, funny enough, isn't even the biggest volcano eruption in Iceland. So this tiny island has the ability to affect many people's lives if the volcanoes on it become super active. But you can check out the full list of the other glaciers in the show notes. From glaciers calving, we get really fascinating and stunning glacier lagoons. Jokorsalon and Fjallsarlon are two glacier lagoons that are found on the south coast near Vatnajökull. So again, quite far. Some people do a day trip where they take a bus or they drive five or six hours to get to these places. They are in the summer, as many of these places are, quite crowded. But if you go really early in the morning or late at night, there's a good chance there aren't as many people. Along with waterfalls, glaciers, and glacier lagoons, there are also black sand beaches, lava caves, mud pools, and more to the highlands. Some of the wildlife that you'll probably encounter or at least see when you're driving around are Icelandic horses, lamb, and lots of birds. Now we're going to go on to the last category. The last, but certainly not the least because the activities in Iceland draw in a lot of people. There are tons of photos of people ice climbing, walking on a glacier, kayaking, snorkeling, everything. And those are essentially some of the most popular ones. Hiking and trekking, boat tours, geothermal baths, horseback riding, whale watching, snowmobiling, searching for the Northern Lights if you're visiting in the winter, and Jeep tours. This is in no way an exhaustive list of 
activities that you can do in the South Coast. But it is certainly a good start if you are planning to visit or just curious about what's available. So now that I've gone over some of the most popular places along the South Coast, the nature, wildlife, and activities, I want to go back to the question that I asked in the beginning of the episode. Is the South Coast worth the hype? My overall answer is yes. However, I feel that it has become so popular that it is hard to enjoy being there due to the massive amount of people. My advice, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is to arrive early in the day or late at night if you really feel that you want to go to the South Coast and experience it, specifically during the summer, because you'll feel overwhelmed by the amount of people that are there in the shots that you probably want to get if you're into photography or just feeling like you can even just stand there and feel the power of nature, let yourself get lost in it because so many people are just kind of rushing around, trying to get pictures and selfies and everything else. It just feels like a place where it's meant to be appreciated and instead people are just rushed and kind of herded through like cattle, which I think is really unfortunate. There are also many other places in Iceland like the west or the north or the east or any other direction in which many other people don't go. But there are really fantastic sights and stunning nature that you can enjoy mostly by yourself. Regarding the activities, you have to do the majority of them with an experienced guide, but you can avoid feeling like you're being herded around like cattle by booking with a company that specializes in small group experiences, as I had mentioned a little earlier. Now we're going to move on to the next segment of the show, which is a fun fact about Iceland. I mentioned that I have a really interesting fact about Vík, and the fact is Vík lies directly south of the Myrdalsjökull glacier, which sits on top of the Katla volcano. Katla has not erupted since 1918. Because it has been dormant for so long, there is talk that an eruption might happen soon. If Katla were to erupt, it could melt so much ice that a huge flash flood could come rushing toward Vík and destroy the whole town. The safest place to be if a flash flood were to happen is in the town's church, which is located on a hill. To prepare for what seems like an inevitable event, from time to time, the people of Vík practice evacuation drills so they can be prepared to be rushed to the church at the first sign of a, an eruption. Visitors that stay in the hotels in Vík are briefed on the dangers of Katla. So just FYI, if you want to stay in Vík, where there's a really cool black beach and basalt columns, you are also taking the risk of being there when an eruption could happen. And I feel like to some degree that's just a part of Iceland, and it seems to not really bother Icelandic people that this is the case. <laughs> The last segment of the show is the Icelandic word of the episode. The Icelandic word of the day is Thingvetlir. And I chose this word because of its historical significance. It literally translates into parliament plains or parliament meadows. I think most people like parliament plains better, though. <laughs> and how to say this word is relatively easy once you get it down. Most people are confused by the first letter, which is a special character only in Icelandic. It's called a thot, and it's pronounced like a th sound in English. 
if you'd listened to some of my other episodes, you would know that there's, uh, whenever there's a double L in some words, it's pronounced as if you're pushing your breath through your the back of your teeth. So if you were to clench your teeth together and suck air or blow air through them, it would make the sound necessary for this double L in thing that's lit. And make sure you check out what the word looks like because I'm talking about it in the show notes. But just to take it slowly, it's thing that air. Thing that lid. Thing that lid. It takes a little bit of practice. The TH sound is the easiest part for sure, but the sound is slightly more complex in that it's just unusual for people who are not used to using that part of their mouth to do. But once you get used to it, it's actually pretty fun to pronounce the words with it. If you have enjoyed this episode of All Things Iceland, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, or any other platform that allows reviews, please leave a review. I really enjoy getting feedback and it helps me so that I can continue to evolve and make content that you find enjoyable. Okay, gott folk. Þakka þér kærlegar að hlusta og sjáumst Blöd lägga.